You are listening to Deeper Roots, a podcast to help equip the members of New Branch Community Church to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. For more information, visit newbranch.com. Ken, we are back for another episode of Deeper Roots. Yeah, that. That's the one. We have the best bumper music. I I think it's pretty good. I heard from one of our frequent listeners that their small child walks around singing our bumper music. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah. I love that. Uh, episode what? I think it's 21. I believe it's episode 21. And I would also throw out this fun fact. I don't know if this is true or not. I think this is a fake, uh, fake holiday. But apparently, according to our recording software, it is International Podcast Day. Hey, so we are recording on International Podcast Day. I don't know if that gets you a free donut somewhere or something, but September the 30th. Yeah, today. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and we are recording without Matt Baker because he was terrified of the topic. <laughs> Either that or he got tickets to the Braves game. That well, one or the other. So hopefully <laughs> they clinch for him tonight, um but he also said he was scared of the topic. That's what she told me. I don't know. Wow. I may have put I may put those words. I'm in never this. missing again. You get thrown <laughs> under the bus as soon as you leave. Yeah. That's what happens. That you miss, you get voted chair, you miss, we make <laughs> fun of right. you, whatever. So our topic today is actually uh something that was requested a while ago. Um and we are just now getting over or getting to the point where we feel semi qualified to speak. Because we're all scared of it. <laughs> we're all scared of it. Uh is the different views of the millennium. So someone, as we started our Revelation series, asked us, what are the, what are the different views on the millennium mm-hmm. and um, what views do we have? So um, we're going to try to outline the, I would say four different views. I think you refer to as, Kip referred to it as three putting. Yeah, so I, I would say three three big uh different views right. and then there's subdivisions uh, yeah but based i think on that, that i think on the pre-mill side which we'll get into in a second there's pretty big divisions like absolutely yeah so uh so three major views being pre-millennialism yes post-millennialism and and ah, millennialism. millennialism yes yeah so uh you as um you know resident theologian gets get to do the work of explaining those views and then i as non-theologian we're all get theologians. to correct me we're all theologians <laughs> but i just get to ask pepper you with questions that's what i get to do so tell us about the views ken all right so if we uh, just just kind of high level high level and then we'll we'll dive into some of the some of the details perhaps. And, and maybe before, sorry, I'm, yeah. I'm cutting you off. Maybe before, I think that even as we, we've been asked to like speak and put our own view out there and whatever. Yeah. And um, I'm willing to tell you what I think are pros and cons in this episode, but all of these views are totally within orthodoxy. All of these views are totally within our statement of faith as a church. So absolutely, I would expect that we have people maybe that hold all four of these views. Um, I know at t- different times in our church, we've had people that hold all four of these views. I'm not sure. I think we do currently. Yeah. I, I think we do currently. I think, I think each of these four views that we'll talk about um, are represented represented in our, at least in our gathering. Yeah. 
um, maybe not in our membership, but certainly in our gathering. And so, and what I would say also on that is, so all of these are, we want to try to be fair to all of these views. Um, and they're all within the bounds of our statement of faith. Yes. But at the same time, when we talked about this last time in the revelation, last time we talked about the, that on the podcast, that doesn't necessarily mean like, just because there's all these different views, it doesn't mean like that we get, just get to like pick one and say, this is my view. And it doesn't really matter whether like we have to weigh the, 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 the part of doing theology is weighing the biblical evidence for a view. And that's how you decide what kind of view you hold. Yeah, so so we do the hard work of diving into the scriptures to seek to understand um, what it says, what it means, and that's going to line us up on one of these views. That is necessarily saying that we think the other view is not as accurate. Yes. Uh, but we do so on something like this with grace. Yes. Because, I mean, I'll be the first to admit to you that at least a couple of these views— uh, I'm kind of, I, I land somewhere, but I could very easily find right. myself very comfortable in the other camp as well. Sure. Um, and so we should be gracious about how we defend these views. Um, yeah. And I also put, say you could fall off the other side of the horse and say, you could just relativize it. Like it's not, it, it doesn't really Matter right, we're pan millennialists. It all yeah, pans, pans out. All in the pans end. out in the end. Yes. I heard that one. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so let's let's dive in. I'll, 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 the first one I'll cover is post millennialism, and and by the way, uh, the nomenclature of these views, um, with respect are are with respect to the millennium. So, um, and when Christ returns. So, uh, post uh, millennialism says that Christ will return post-millennial. Yeah. So it's after a millennial reign of Christ. And the he, he millennium return. you're referring to Revelation 21 through 6. Yes. So uh, in Revelation 19, Jesus returns. Revelation 20 talks about a millennial reign of Christ on yeah. earth, right? So, so the post-millennial will uh, argue that uh, that we're currently in the millennium, and so they'll they'll understand the thousand year reign of Christ to be interpreted uh, figuratively, not literally. It's not a literal thousand years, uh, but we're currently in the millennium. The millennium uh, was inaugurated with uh, the ascension of Christ. Uh, it'll it'll stop with the return of Christ, and so um, now they will say because that's the case that uh, the tribulation that is uh, spoken of in, uh, in the book of Revelation either takes place during the first century or around that time frame or sometime during the church age. But uh, one of the dis distinguishing characteristics of postmillennialism is that the gospel will continue to advance. The kingdom of God will continue to be built on the earth as a result of the gospel advancing and the and the church um, having greater and greater influence in the world to the to a point where there's a golden age of righteousness in the earth, um, where pretty much everybody everybody becomes Christians at some point, and there's this there's this golden age of righteousness that occurs, and then Jesus returns. Um, and then after that, the, you know, the, yeah. the, the return of the final state. And to be clear, I think 
you say pretty much everyone, I think they would say that the predominant, like it's predominant, like not right. necessarily to the one, everybody's a Christian, but there's, yeah. it's very, like the spread of the gospel is very, very predominant. Yeah. And this was very, um, you know, we, we like to quote the Puritans. Puritans were pretty much, almost all of them were post-millennials. Right. Um, post-millennialism during that age and really the age leading up to the Second World War was uh, was probably the predominant view of eschatology. Yeah. Um, with with the Second World War, there was a because post millennials are optimistic. Yeah. Right. Things are going to improve. Things are going to continue to get better. You got to admit it's getting better. It's getting better all the exactly. time. Exactly. And that uh, that optimism gave way to um, to the Second World War and to an understanding that things don't seem to be getting better. Um, I would say today it's a it's a minority view uh, within so. Orthodox uh, Protestantism. Um, but and it's and still, they would say to the fact that things aren't getting better all the time that that we're not sure how long that reign of Christ is. It might be ten thousand years, so it might be incrementally right. better over and over and no. And that's what their rebuttal to like things like World War One, World War Two, or yeah. whatever they would say. Well. This might be a really slow curve, but it's up and to the right. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's post. That's post. Uh, key texts. They would lean on. They would lean on pretty hard on the Great Commission. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, any other key text? I know there's a parable. I can't find it. Uh, sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, I, I would say the. Um, verse in Matthew where Jesus says this gospel will pre- be preached throughout the whole world and then the end will come. Um, so that, that they would point to that and say, you know, the gospel is going to advance. The great commission is going to be fulfilled uh, and then Jesus will come. So, so that that's kind of in a general sense, what post millennialism is. Um, and again, most of the tribulation that we're looking at in the book of revelation, they will say occurred, in the first century, that those are symbolic of things that were happening to the church in the first century during the persecution that was was undergoing then. So, are, <clears throat> we want to line do all the views and then come back and offer evaluation, or we want to do it as you go? Yeah, let's let's just go through these okay. just so that as folks are listening, trying to kind of piece together I the mean, different yeah, views. So that's post uh, premillennialism would. I guess be the opposite of that. So pre-millennial, so uh, Jesus returns prior to the millennial reign of Christ. Um, now, pre-millennialists will, as you alluded to earlier, can be divided up um, into two or three different uh, categories. Uh, broadly, I'll divide them into two. One would be dispensational premillennialism, um, and the other being historic premillennialism. Um, dispensational premillennialists is that's that's very popular uh, within the broader evangelical world. Um, if folks are familiar with the Left Behind series and and all of that. Um, that comes straight from a dispensational viewpoint. The dispensational um, theology uh, sees the um, different ages 
of uh, the world divided into dispensation or ages. Um, and then currently we're in the church age, which is kind of a parenthesis um, before the end of the world. Uh, most of the dispensations have to do with Israel and how God dealt with Israel. Currently in the church age, God's not dealing with Israel. He's dealing with the church. And so this is kind of a parenthesis. But one day when the end of the world comes, then he'll deal with the nation of Israel again. Um, And so this is a parenthesis. And so um, classic dispensationalism um, sees a distinct difference between the nation of Israel and the church of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Um, And so that means that a lot of what we see in the book of Revelation, premillennials for the most part will uh, will interpret Revelation with a futurist mindset, that most of of this is stuff that's happening in the future. Um, And so because they see a a sharp distinction between the church and Israel, um, classic dispensationalists will hold to a a pre-tribulation rapture, that's a, that's a distinguishing characteristic of dispensationalism, that before the tribulation or the, the signs of the times, the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, the bowl judgments, before that tribulation occurs in the future, um, the church will be raptured. The First Thessalonians uh, passage that talks about us meeting the Lord in the air that uh, the dispensational will say that we're, the church is raptured, all believers in Christ are taken away from the earth uh, to be with the Lord during that tribulation. And so everything that happens during that tribulation time um, is really dealing with either the, the nation of Israel, the Jews, or unbelievers, right? Yeah. And so um, the dispensationals will hold to the reestablishment of the temple, reestablishment during that time of the sacrifices. Very literal all the way through. Very literal all the way through. Yeah, literal interpretation of that of those scriptures. Um, after the seven-year period, Christ returns, um, and then there's a thousand-year reign of Christ. So it's premillennial, the premillennial re- return of Christ. Um, and then um, at the end of that, Satan is released for a time. That's in Revelation 20. Uh, and then the establishment of the eternal state. So distinguishing characteristics of premillennialism, regardless of what flavor, is that Jesus returns before a literal reign of Christ on the earth. Yeah. Um, that's, that's understanding dispensational. The other major um, category within premillennialism is historic premillennialism. Um, historic premillennialists will not... Um, not necessarily hold to uh, a literal interpretation of a lot of what we find in the book of Revelation, more of a figurative and and symbolic interpretation. There's not a distinction between Israel and the church. Instead, the church is seen as the New Testament people of God. And so um, God had one covenant with his people. There was a remnant of faithful Israel in the Old Testament in the nation of Israel. Uh, Promises were made to the faithful remnant. That faithful remnant now in the New Testament is the church of Jesus Christ. And so those promises are fulfilled in the church, either during the church age or in the the millennial reign of Christ. 
or in the final state. But there's not there, there's not a separate. Um, the church has this plan, and Israel has this plan. With historic premillennialism, there's one plan, um, and um, it's it's the same all the way through. Yes. Um, so that's kind of broad picture for premillennialism. Historic premillennialism would hold to a literal one thousand year reign. Not necessarily. So the, the the actual period of time that they're of the millennium. I know we can talk after we summarize the views. Yeah, yeah. We'll do a quick thing on literal versus figurative, but yeah. the actual period of time of the millennium might be a figurative. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Historic premillennialists will just say that there is a reign of Christ yeah. on earth um, after his return and before the establishment of the final state. Yeah. Right. Um, so some historic premillennials hold to literal interpretation. Um, some present company included don't. Oh, you tipped your hand. You tipped <laughs> your hand. Um, so, and, and uh, yeah, so I, I do hold to a historic premillennialist uh, view. The, by the way, the reason it's called historic um, is because many of the church fathers held, it can be, Although it wasn't called historic premillennialist by Justin Martyr, uh, him yep. and Irenaeus and Papias, um, they they held to that view um, of a premillennial reign, but not dispensational. And so, is it because the other premillennial view is ahistoric? I'm sorry. Oh, careful now. I'm sorry. Is careful. It, tipping oh, your hat. I'm tipping my hat. I'm, so we can check off one view for me. Yes. But. Yes. Um, I, I, and then and we got one I more. I know dispensationalists. If I offended you, just come see me. I'm sorry. You can you can have a hug from Tyler, and you know that's that's, that's pretty, rare. That's pretty high currency right there. That's rare. Um, all right, we got one more. So we got post millennial. Yeah, Jesus returns after a reign of Christ. Yeah, pre millennial. who don't believe in the millennium at all. That's what no millennium means. Well, if if you're looking at the grammar of the word amillennialist, yes, but that's not what they hold to. So it would be unfortunately named. So it's, uh, yeah, the amillennial position is really um, mistitled, um, I would say, because they would hold to an inaugurated um, millennial reign. So, so they, like the postmillennials, they will say that the, that the millennium is now but it's a spiritual millennium. It's the spiritual reign of Christ currently not here on earth, but in heaven. Yeah. So it's those who have died in Christ. Um, their souls are with the Lord and that they are reigning from heaven right now. So they would also hold to a figurative interpretation of the thousand years. So it's not a literal millennium, but it's figuratively representative of uh, the current time uh, where Christians are reigning with Christ in heaven. Um, so it really is uh, unfortunate that it's called amillennialism because that means no millennium and that's not what they hold to. Um, but Jesus has been reigning with the souls of those who have died and gone to heaven. And so um, amillennialists uh, would hold not to a, uh, a literal interpretation of revelation, mostly figurative and symbolic, um, also not not a futurist, although they do believe in the return of Christ one day, and yes. so it's futurist in that sense, but primarily, um, what would you say, historical? 
interpretation of Revelation, um, and in some cases, kind of an eclectic. Um, uh, definitely, I would say that they hold to uh, eclectic. I mean, futurist for in a lot, but uh, I think they would see a lot of. Um, I think they would see a lot of like recapitulating of the story, um, and I think there would be a lot of figurative going yeah. on. So yeah, um, so so those are the so those the, are the major views, right? Yeah. So uh, and then on the looking at the notes you sent here, the amillennial would have a similar uh, view of Israel and the church as the historic premillennial. Yeah. There's one covenant. In the church, There's one arrangement with God, Israel, and and um, yeah, some some people like to call that replacement theology, but right. basically, the church is the people of God, yeah, of today. Whereas the nation of Israel was the people of God in the Old Testament, the church is the people of God in the New Testament, and so the I, promises to Israel to the people of God that we find in the Old Testament are realized by the church, yeah, today. Right. Or later. Yes. Yeah. So you already tipped your hat. Before uh before I tip mine, different um I think I've tipped mine before, but uh the different like big authors or whatever that would be considered under or would be like proponents of each view. So we'll go back to dispensational. John MacArthur would be one of the most well known. John MacArthur, um, I mean Charles Ryrie. Yeah, Ryrie um, and Schofield. Yeah. Really. Uh, Walvard. Um, a, a, lot of, a lot of folks from kind of that DTS, Dallas Theological Seminary world. Um, there, there's, another, there's another segment of dispensational um, theology that's a little bit different that is progressive dispensationalism that um, is a, is still holds to the distinction between, um, oddly enough, it still holds to the distinction between Israel and the church, but um, does view more of a single covenant. And so there's not two covenants, one for Israel and right. one for the church. There's one covenant today, yeah. and Israel is saved into that one covenant just as believers are. And so... Um, it's a little bit, uh, a little, a little bit of a different twist. Uh, Daryl Bach, Craig Blazing, Blazing. Um, wrote a really good book on that um, that I purchased and studied for this yeah. this uh, series, um, and and that would be a different flavor of dispensationalism. Uh, oh. Post millennialists, um, that would be pro- probably the biggest one right now is Doug Wilson, right? It, it would be, but you might have to edit that out. <laughs> he's in a little bit of trouble. Um, well, he, I, I mean, he's probably the most predominant, um, you know, writer of that. I think Charles Hodge. Charles Hodge. All those, most of those Princeton theologians from that era. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, most, like you said, most of the um, most of the Puritans. Uh, yes. Keith Matheson from uh, Ligonier. Um, and then, uh, a popular systematic theology, um, a more Presbyterian systematic theology, but, uh, Lorraine Botner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's the one that wrote the systematic theology, isn't he? No, maybe not. 
You I don't know. Hey, you just banked the Everybody did. So there we go. I'm, I'm probably. That's, I think that's. All millennial writers. Yeah. Uh, Burkhoff. That's what I was thinking. Burkhoff is a post-millennial, I believe. I don't know. I'm just conjecturing on, on live air right now. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. So historic pre-mill. Uh, George Ladd is probably my favorite. Um, I've been reading a lot of his and, and quoting from him. Jim Hamilton. Yeah. Jim Hamilton. Um, John Piper. Good, good Presbyterian. John Montgomery Boyce. Yeah. Um, was historic premillennialist. Um, I, I think, John, I think Piper. John Piper would, would fall in that category as well. Um, uh, so those are probably the major ones. And then uh, the amillennialists. I mean, kind of take your pick, Anthony Hakama, Sam Storms, GK Beale, GK Beale, Kim Ruddleberger, however you say yeah. his name. John. John. Oh, the author of Revelation. Oh, there you go. <laughs> nice. Uh, that hat is, is no longer tipped. It's off. It's off. Uh, it's off. No, yeah. You are you just come out of the closet, I did, Tyler. I, just, I did. I did. Just come it, it just, out. It, it Be happened. a proud amillennialist. I'm a I I'm there. I'm <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm. I'm not going to be able to. I'm not going to be the guy that can defend it or even cares to defend it all that well. Yeah. Um. And as I've studied and studied through before, multiple times on the eschatology thing, um, I think I know enough to know where I land. I'm not sure I entirely know enough to always explain it. So one of one of the the interesting characteristics of the amillennial view when it comes to revelation and we've mentioned this on Sunday morning a few times, is the idea of recapitulation. Yeah. That, <clears throat> that on the whole, the book of Revelation, instead of looking at it chronologically and line- uh, kind of linear, yeah. it's, it's told in circles and cycles. Yeah. That it recapitulates over and over and over again. Um and, and I have to admit, as we as we walk through, you do see a bit of a cyclical return yeah. in some of these things. I've mentioned the telescoping, which really is just an easy way for me to have an out and have my cake and eat it too, <laughs> right? Because right. I, I see a linear progression, but I also see a return back to some of the same elements yeah. as we go through. And I think regardless of which way it actually is, I think, I think that's a hallmark of apocalyptic literature is uh, through the use of these very um, fantastic figurative uh, descriptions that in some cases it, the, the, the sense of time is not chronological and linear um, as much as we typically hear stories told. Yeah. And, um, and, and going back to the dispensational um, premillennial view, uh, they would definitely see um, a a um, linear progression and following it very chronologically. Chapter one happened, and then chapter two, and then chapter three, and chapter four. View. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that that would be one of the issues that I would have with that. We're hitting our 27-minute mark now. I'm, we're, we're consulting over the air right yes, now. We continue yes. on, or we have another episode where we do uh, the evaluation comments. Yeah, we, we could probably wrap this up now and, and maybe talk a little bit more maybe. about um, like why I hold to historic pre-mill. Yeah. 
um, why you hold to a mill and just seek to understand and sharpen one another a little bit more like that. Yeah. Okay. Well then, so wait till next week and you can hear why Ken holds his position and why I hold mine. And you know what? Maybe, maybe at some point we can have someone tell us why they hold their other position. Yeah. So be glad to do that. Uh, yeah. Until next week, that's a cliffhanger. We're going to find out next week why we think the way that we do. Except that you're going to tell people on Sunday why you think the way you do too. <laughs> so, until next week. Down and down and down now.